Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock, and we continue to cover the fallout of the NFL draft. We have it covered for you here. I'm your host, Michael Kist. And with just two of these draft specials left as we wrap up this event, I made sure that we got a banger for you today because we have our resident QB expert and QB1 in our hearts and our minds, Mark Schofield, joining us today to put a bow on the upcoming rookie quarterback class. So if your team just drafted a quarterback, or if you're jealous or worried about a team that drafted a quarterback, this is the show for you. Hell, we never know where these conversations are going to go. So even if your team has a quarterback, period, this show is for you. Right, Mark? Michael, it's great to be with you. And yeah, I think we're going to talk about a bunch of quarterbacks here. I'm very excited to dive into Davis Mills, a somewhat surprising uh, Houston Texans pick, which I think might tell us a lot about where they believe their quarterback room is headed. They also just signed a couple of quarterbacks. It seems like their new general manager is a little bit worried about the status of their QB1. But it's great to be with you. I know we got a lot of takes since you're off. We've got some hard-hitting questions you're going to throw my way, so I'm very excited to dive in. Yeah, the Texans have some tough questions at the quarterback position, and I have some tough questions for our resident QB1. And I actually want to start this examination of this rookie quarterback class by putting you in a tough spot, Mark, I, I, I'm going to ask you to piss off an entire fan base right up top and see how well you can squirm your way out of it. Because the question that I have for you is, uh, kind of like those high school yearbooks, which rookie quarterback is most likely to throw a pick six on their first attempt? Oh, man, you've really put me on the spot here. And I'm going to try to be a little weasel guppy man and get out of this one. But I think <laughs> we need to we need to think about this logically, Okay. We only know that two guys are going to start week one, okay? Mm-hmm. Fields, we're not sure of, although we expect he probably might start early. You know, Andy Dalton, does that really move the needle for people? I don't know if Matt Jones is going week one. I don't know if Trey Lance is going week one. But we assume Trevor Lawrence is going. We assume Zach Wilson is going. Let's look at it this way. Even if all five of them go, even if all five of those guys go week one, the guy that might throw the first pick six is Zach Wilson. And here's why. Mm. Trevor Lawrence... Zach Wilson and Trey Lance would all be playing in the one Eastern time slot, okay? Lance gets to go up against, if he starts week one, the Detroit Lions. Mm. And I'm not so sure that A, the Lions are going to have a defense that's really going to stress them. And B, if he's going week one, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is going to, you know, just say, look, let's let it rip, buddy. (laughs) You know, they're going to scheme some stuff for him. They're going to do a lot of play action stuff. So his first throw is probably going to be a check down to Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield. And if he throws a pick six on that, friends, we get some serious problems, okay? (laughs) So I don't think that's going to happen. You look at Trevor Lawrence, he's going up against the Houston Texans. Again, I don't think that the Houston Texans defense is really going to do anything to him that's going to freak him out. Right. As we get later in the day, in that 425 Eastern in the afternoon, you get New England against Miami. Now, that Miami Dolphins defense is very good. But let's just – let's be honest here. 
the if Mac Jones is starting week one, that first passing attempt is probably a screen. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is you know they'll run run screen to James White on third and seven. Like that's right. what it. Similar to the Trey Lance discussion, if Mac Jones throws a pick six on that, there's going to be a line on the Tobin Bridge in downtown Boston of Patriots fans who have talked themselves into Mac Jones over the past couple of weeks, throwing themselves off of it. So right. I don't think that's your pick six. Yeah, it's like like you got to earn that right yeah. in, the, in this offense, buddy. Yeah. We're going to make it easy for you. It's like yeah, a, like yeah. when you're playing Madden, you don't have the right quarterback yet. You haven't developed them. You're like, right. throw screens all day, baby. We're, we're, throwing, we're throwing halfback option. We're throwing right. Texas routes to him. Yeah. That's all we are doing. <laughs> you know, look, I've been there too, man, when you just can't get it done with your quarterback. So you're like running two plays. It's it's. Te- Texas and it's four verts and you're doing it to the three receiver side and you're hitting yeah. the tight end. Like that's all you're doing. Like because yeah. I was a bad Madden player and a bad war zone player. We all know that. <laughs> then you get into Sunday night. There's a potential. Look, if Fields goes, that Rams defense is good. So Fields could be an easy pick here. But Zach Wilson, he gets to go up against the Carolina Panthers defense. Let's not forget, Phil Snow was doing some pretty creative stuff at the end of last yeah. year. They oh. had that Saturday night game against the Green Bay Packers where Rogers at the end of that was like Man, they were doing some crazy stuff on defense. I didn't know what was happening. They really slowed them down in the second half. They've made some additions. Hassan Reddick comes in. They draft J.C. Horn in the first round. A.J. Bouye's in that secondary. This is suddenly looking like a defense that's pretty good. Now, with, as we talked about with the other guys, like his first attempt might be a check down. It might be a designed read and throw and something like that. But if there's a guy that's going to throw a pick six on that first snap, given – if these guys all go week one, given what he'd be facing week one as opposed to the other guys, I think it's probably Mac Jones. I mean, not Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. Now, it could be cheating because he might throw a pick six early in the day and then right. Justin Fields throws one Sunday night. But talking purely in terms of chronological order, I'll go Zach Wilson. That's that's interesting. And look, the last two quarterbacks to throw a pick six on their first attempt. Do, do well, you remember? know what? <laughs> Sam Darnold against the Lions. Right. So there's, I remember that one. And that's, you know, Jets fans will be like, really? Again? Yep. We're doing there, this again? <laughs> there's also uh, Jameis Winston in 2015. And if we go way back, Brett Favre in 1991 with the Atlanta Falcons. And Mark, you probably remember this. The, the Jameis one was special for a couple of reasons. First, because it turned out to be like one hell of a signal for what Jameis's career right. would be. And he was, and he was going against Mariota. Yes, it was one versus two, and Mariota threw four touchdown passes in that game, and everybody yep. was like, everybody that had Mariota one and Winston two, i.e., me, was yeah. like, "Told y'all, told you." <laughs> and then you know it didn't quite pan out. Although I still stand by that right now, I still yeah. stand by Mariota one. Winston yeah, the, tit- the the Titans, their first drive, he threw a 52-yard uh, touchdown. I think it was like yeah. an RPO glance or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, they- the, all of them were like – one of them was like an RPO flat, Y flat, <laughs> where it's like a, a, a six-inch throw and people are like losing their minds. They're like, this is the future of football. And like yeah. idiots like me are like, the game has changed. <laughs> I wasn't on Twitter at, at the time. Do you remember the take spewing forth based on that one sequence? Because I imagine there were flames Oh, dear everywhere. God. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I mean, it, they were thermonuclear. I mean, they were like Rick Sanchez concentrated dark matter kind of takes. <laughs> Look, you you mentioned Zach Wilson, so we might as well stay there for a second. The the second overall section by uh, selection by the New York Jets is Zach Wilson, aka Kid Bops, Jim McMahon, <laughs> as our friend Derek uh, Glassman oh described God. him. Is Zach Wilson the biggest boomer bust quarterback, ceiling floor quarterback, especially considering the New York that uh, like the New York Jets? They've just been so far away for so long. I like Joe Douglas. I like what he's doing there. But 
It's also the New York Jets, and that also plays a part into it. But Zach Wilson, for me, has been a pretty, pretty polarizing prospect. I know people here at the SB Nation NFL show, like Kyle Posey, really doubt his uh, his viability, just don't see it with him. Do you think he's got the biggest potential to be a bust from this class, considering his draft slot? I think prior to the draft, when we were just looking at these quarterbacks as evaluations, Trey Lance was probably the bigger boom-bust guy because mm. he has so much talent. That ceiling is ridiculous. But one year and one game at the FCS level. Yeah. But he ends up in San Francisco, and we know what that offense is going to do for him. It's going to certainly help him. Now, of course, look, Mike LaFleur is going to be running an outside zone, wide zone, mm-hmm. boot action, quarterback-friendly system. That's part of the reason they liked Zach Wilson because you saw the production as a sophomore take a huge leap into his junior year when he was running that kind of offense. Our great friend Ben Solak wrote a ton about that prior to the draft yeah. and, and such great work. People should definitely check that out. And so pre-draft, you might have said, look, it's Lance. I think now, look, you have to say it's probably Zach Wilson because the the, the pressure on him is going to be enormous. The New York Jet, that media market, like they were going into like week 12, week 13, thinking we are inside track. We've got Trevor Lawrence coming our way. Then they somehow go to LA and beat the Rams and (laughs) the world changes for them. Now they start talking themselves into Zach Wilson. And like, I'm sure Kyle Posey has talked about, given his reservations about them about him, there are some things he needs to fix. You know, he, he does – he played behind a very good offensive line at BYU, but he would often bail from clean pockets. He has this tendency to lock on to his initial read and not come off of it. And look, all those guys do that. I understand right. that. But he's done it more. And when you're doing it behind a clean offensive line, like that, that's cause for concern. Like there are times and, – and Ben's written about this. I've written about this where on those outside zone flood concepts, he's just taking easy throws to the sideline when a lot of those are really designed to take some throws in the middle of the field. Like he'll roll to the side, he'll have a dig route in the middle of the field that he won't throw it, even if it's wide open. He's going to have to learn to do that because of the NFL. They'll take the stuff to the outside away, and you have to be able to challenge the middle of the field between the numbers, between the hash marks. And so, yeah, draft spot, media market, concepts, scheme fit, pocket management skills – all that stuff is stuff that he's going to have to get better at. And if he doesn't, that's going to be a problem. And then you look at the talent around them. Now, I love what the Jets did in the draft. I love Elijah Vera Tucker. I thought that was a great pick. Elijah Moore, I thought that was a great pick. They're certainly putting some things around him. Makai Becton is a cornerstone left tackle. No questions asked. And look, if Duke Mannyweather is coaching you up, you're going to be pretty good. Because if you're not, Duke will rip your arms off and beat you with him. And mm. so like, they're going to be a solid team around him. But yeah, out of these five guys in terms of draft slot and all the stuff we talked about, I do think Wilson's the perhaps boom bust guy. Do you do you think um the 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 title that I've seen the the nickname that I've seen for him before not Kid Bop's Jim yes, McMahon, which is Kids Bop Jim McMahon, Derek just crushed it with that. What what about uh Mormon Manzel? Does he have that There's, kind of style to him? <laughs> he does have that kind of, and a lot of it is the like willingness or all, almost the desire to sort of break the pocket. Now, right, the wild horse aspect yeah, to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let the Bronco buck or put him in the stable. Like, as yeah. we've talked about so many times before with Carson Wentz, I, I think the difference though, Manziel was really playground ball. I mean, like, he, he was just trying to create that. Did he had Mike Evans where he was just like, look, right. I'm going to boot around, run around like a chicken with his head cut off and just throw it up to Mike because I know he's going to come down with it. Like, I think there's a bit deeper understanding of structure, design, and scheme. And look, you know, he's being coached by John Beck, who, who knows quarterbacks extremely well, who knows the position extremely well. So look, I, I think that there's a deeper understanding of X's and O's and scheme. So it's not quite Manziel, but it's at times Manziel light. And that's probably going to concern some people. 
Manzellian. Yeah. We'll, we'll say it that way. You mentioned Trey Lance. Let's let's go to him because my question for you, it's another tough one. Is Trey Lance the guy that unlocks the full potential of the Kyle Shanahan offense like we saw when there was peak Matt Ryan, right, those days? Or is this another situation where we see an average quarterback propped up by Shanahan to the point where ultimately it's detrimental to the long-term viability of the team? No, I, I think he does sort of transcend that system. And that's what I was telling people every show I did when they were like, is it Mac Jones at three? I'm like, look, yes, Mac Jones can run that offense, but I don't think you trade up to three and give up future first-round picks to get a guy to just run the offense. I think you want a guy that can transcend it. And Trey Lance is that kind of player. So I think he is the guy that unlocks it. And the perfect example is this, right? All that outside zone, wide zone, boot stuff, when you've got the quarterback rolling out, you know, pressure in the line of scrimmage, pressure in that curl flat defender. If you've got Mac Jones, if you've got Kirk Cousins, if you've got Jimmy Garoppolo coming your way and you're that guy in the flat, are you worried about 10? Are you worried about eight tucking it? Are you worried that that guy's going to put a move on you in the open field? No. Right. You're just, you're sticking in your zone. You're covering the nearest defender. You're relating to that player and you're not worried because if that guy does run, you're going to be able to chase him down. It's different when it's Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance is an incredible athlete. So he's going to put pressure on defenses. He's going to put pressure on secondaries. He's going to put pressure on that first defender that he sees in the open field to start thinking about, I got to come downhill. I got to get myself in position to stop the run. You know, he's a young quarterback. They might just let him run anyway. This might be a designed run. I'm, I'm going to come downhill and, you know, try to make him play against him. And the defensive secondary and the structure of the defensive secondary starts to break down. And that's when you're going to get some really big throwing lanes. And so you can see how that Shanahan system with an athletic quarterback is going to start being able to pick apart secondaries because the pressure, the stress, the threat of Lance as a runner is going to artificially break down structures in the secondary, create huge throwing lanes for him where it's like, look, there's nobody within eight yards of this guy. It's not a tough decision. I can throw it. He throws well on the move. I think, yeah, Lance is the kind of guy that's going to unlock this system. Yeah. And, and I mean, I look at that system and I, and I look at what the Rams were trying to do last year. And it really felt like, especially with McVay, it was like, man, would he die for a mobile, functional quarterback at, at this point? And because he loves to move it. launch points and get them on the move and whatnot. It's just a natural Must fit. win week 17 game. What, right. did, what did McVay do? He started John Wolford. Right. Because he had some athleticism. He's dying. He was, these offenses scream for an athletic quarterback. Look at Mayfield and look at the Browns and how successful they were last year. Yep. Because Mayfield's athletic enough where it sort of puts that stress on that curl flat defender where he has to get put in a bind. It's, it's almost like a high low concept in a sense because you've oh. got that flood concept, that guy in the flat, the guy in the deep over or whatever. And that guy's like, do I come downhill against the quarterback run threat? Do right. I stay deep? Either way, I'm wrong, you yep. know, but if it's, Cousins, if it's a Garoppolo, you're not as worried about that. Yeah, you might be quote unquote wrong, but it's a two yard gain and not a potential 15 yard gain. If you want to see somebody wrong on those, just watch Nate Gary at any point in his career with the Philadelphia Eagles because he's not even making a choice. He's just sucked there in no man's land. And sometimes that freezes defenders like that. So it's, it's a dangerous thing. It's a, yeah. And it, look, the, the root of this game from an offensive perspective is to put defenders into conflict and make them run no matter what they do. Whether it's a pass design downfield where you're high-low on a defender where it's Mills, you got post-dig and you try to high-low that free safety. Or if it's, you know, smash, you're trying to high-low the corner with the seven route and the curl or whatever. Mm -hmm. RPOs, right? Yep. It's basically a high-low, you know, glance route behind the linebacker, run threat in front of them. Yep. Like, make them run. 
when you've got an athletic quarterback like John Wolford, apparently, or Trey Lance or whomever, you're going to make somebody wrong with that athleticism and the potential throw over their head. So when we come back, I've got more tough questions for Mark, and we're going to dig into the first overall selection because as much as the hype is probably warranted, I have some questions on Trevor Lawrence. That's coming up next here on the SB Nation NFL show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the SB Nation NFL show Covering the 2021 NFL draft, starting to wrap up our coverage there and digging into the hard questions about this quarterback class, this rookie quarterback class coming into the NFL in the 2021 NFL season. I, I've talked about it before the break. Let's let's go right into it. I want to go to Trevor Lawrence and the and the Jaguars because Mark, maybe it's maybe it's my turn to get a fan base all riled up because I've had this sneaking suspicion for a while that this thing isn't going to work out, and, and I'm not saying I don't like Lawrence. But the hype and, and the expectations are, are understandable, but the bar is so high for him. And, and look, I don't, I don't give a crap about the, the quotes regarding his need for a Super Bowl or anything like that. But a contributing factor to my doubt is head coach Urban Meyer. I am not a fan of Urban. I'll just put it out there. And I'm concerned that even with the weapons in Jacksonville, who I really like, by the way, right? I was really high on DJ Chark coming out. I thought if LaVisca Chenault stayed healthy, that he would outperform his draft slot. He was a second rounder, I thought, with late first round talent. I like the two-headed monster of Travis Etienne and, and James Robinson, even though I didn't understand uh, Etienne going round one, partly because I'm a I'm a fan of James Robinson, who, by the way, was an undrafted free agent and gave them really quality play last year. So I don't think I'm crazy for sneering at taking a running back in the first round there. But either way, the, the weapons are are, are kind of there. Lawrence has been the crown prince for some time, obviously uber talented, uh, super good looking, of course, right? But it's Jacksonville, <laughs> but it's Jacksonville going to give him the environment that he needs to succeed to make sure that the first four to five years aren't wasted. And I'm not sure that I can answer that with a yes confidently. What about you, Mark? Are you more optimistic or do you share some of the same concerns there? I'm cautiously optimistic. Okay. I knew you and were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my like catchphrase. But here's the glass half full approach, right? Mm -hmm. You look at Urban Meyer during his time in college. He turned Alex Smith into a first overall pick with mm -hmm. a spread system at Utah. Then he goes to Florida and he has Tim Tebow and he's like, I, I can't probably do that kind of stuff. So I'll tailor this offense and I'll have him run a jump passes on the goal line because right. that's what's going to work. And so Urban has shown – and he turned him into a first-round pick, although that was Josh McDaniels <laughs> and his sort of hubris more than anything else. Right. But I do think that that shows you that Urban Meyer is open to tailoring his offense to what his quarterback does well. And I think, look, if you work through Darren Bevel, you you read his playbook because – I like Bevel. You know, yeah, he's, he, there's some stuff in there that you can see, yeah – 
This is very familiar what he would, to what he was doing with Clemson. Yeah. A lot of vertical stuff, shot plays to the outside, some play action stuff. So get get him on the move a little bit because because Lawrence does throw well on the move. So I remember I, I, Bevel surprised me because I went to watch the Lions and I remember what the Lions' offense was like. And this was a couple of years ago when the Eagles were about to play them, and I was watching them, and they're pushing the ball downfield with yeah. Matt Stafford, and I was like, this offense is actually really really fun, regardless of whatever the results were. Is like they're aggressive, they're pushing it downfield. Uh, the Stafford is the right guy for that. Lawrence is probably the right guy for that too, and look, they have downfield threats, right? The they Chanel. do have downfield threats, and and the, the, this whole notion, everybody losing their mind over Travis Etienne getting wide receiver reps. Like I think that's a smart thing because this is a matchup game. And look, if you've got a two back set with both Robinson and Etienne in there, how do you treat Etienne? Mm-hmm. If you're a defense, do you treat him as a running back and play base against that? Okay, well. You know what's going to happen. He's going to flex outside to the slot. He's going to flex outside to the boundary. Now you get Travis Etienne, who, yeah, he ran a limited route tree. It comes in a lot of flats, a lot of swings and things like that. But that would still potentially work against a linebacker, get him matched up in a favorable matchup. And now Lawrence has an easy read and throw, and he doesn't have to think too much. And so I think that sort of outside-of-the-box thinking is a good thing. And it also gives more evidence behind the idea that Urban Meyer is going to put Lawrence in a position to be successful. Now, how does this go bad? If the ETN thing is more of a side of – it's really not outside the box thinking, but it's inside the box thinking. And they're not really forward thinking with this offense. And they're really going to sort of use him, you know, or better yet, it was a wasted opportunity because if they really wanted to get that slot type, mismatch type player, like Elijah Moore was staring them in the face. Right, right. Who I thought would have been a great pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, in a late first round, get him in that into that offense – now you get him, you get Chenault, you get Chark. Like Marvin Jones, that's a wonderful addition. I know people say, why don't they have a tight end? In that case, you don't need a tight end. Yeah. So, so Four I, guys I, with very attractive I mean, and different yeah. skill sets, yeah. Yeah, and you could go a 10 personnel package with those four guys. Like You could have done some damage. And so, you know, again, cautiously optimistic. I, I think there's reason for hope if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. But then there's the Tim Tebow thing. And we all know it could be coming. That first situation in a preseason game where it's first and goal from the two and you see Tebow lining up with the Wildcat and, and Twitter is going to just lose its mind. Mm. Like, like that is coming in August. I can't wait for me. I just can't wait because it's going to be incredible content. <laughs> All right, Mark. For the, for this one, I need you to take that, that stack of chips. There's no cautiously optimistic here. I want you to take that yep. stack of chips in front of you and I want you to push it to the middle of the table. Either you're all in or you're folding here. Is Justin Fields going to be the best Bears quarterback since Sid Luckman? And I want to and I want to be clear here. Maybe not the most successful in terms of winning a ring like Jim McMahon, but overall, as a passer, sticks with the team for a long time. Unlike McMahon, throws for more than 15 touchdowns in a single season. Unlike McMahon, right? Can Justin Fields do what Eric Kramer did in 1995 over multiple years and lead them through the desert that is their quarterback purgatory right now? I'm Teddy KGB and I'm splashing the plot, man. I'm just like, I'm literally going all in on this one. Yeah, absolutely. He might be their best quarterback already. Cause you mentioned Eric Kramer, who, by the way, is their current single season record holder for both passing yards and touchdown passes, as well as their single game passing attempts record holder. Eric Kramer. Yeah, 1995, right? Yeah. For all the good things that the Chicago Bears have done as an organization, they won a Super Bowl, they destroyed the Patriots in Super Bowl twenty. Like they got to another Super Bowl and lost, obviously, to the Indianapolis Colts in the rain down in Florida. They haven't had great quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Sid Luckman. Like he might be their best quarterback in, in franchise history. And so you look at Justin Fields coming in, the athleticism, the arm talent, 
the offense he ran and his ability to run it, the option routes, the conversions, and all that stuff that Ryan Day put on his plate. I was a huge Justin Fields fan going into this draft. You can look up the Pat's Pulpit Live show, round one of the draft, when we thought the Patriots were going to be in range of Justin Fields, uh. and there was just unbridled joy. And then the Bears trade up, and you see our hearts break just in real time, and then we start talking ourselves into Mac Jones. I was I'm I love Justin Fields as a prospect. I think the world of him as a prospect. JT O'Sullivan, who knows this position inside out, had him QB one. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm going all in on Justin Fields to the Chicago Bears. I, I think it was a Ryan, when you are forced to general manage for your job, you are going to take some risks and go all in on your own. And that's what Ryan Pace did by coming up to get him. I think it was a brilliant move. I'm a huge fan of this. And yeah, I'm all in. I'm Teddy KGB. I'm sloshing the pot. Like, yeah, I'm completely all in on Justin Fields to Chicago. Bears fans may know me for just like trolling the Destroying heck out of them. Destroying Mitchell and Trubisky. Trubisky and calling them paper tigers when they were five and one, which turned out to be right. Like I've been right about the Bears a lot. And, but I've also been very, very annoying. So I want to put an olive branch out there, like Justin Fields, and I don't know anything, right? This is why I have Mark <laughs> None here. of us do. He did Arby's. Justin Fields is my quarterback, too. And as an Eagles fan, I would have loved if the Eagles would, would have taken would have taken Fields, right? I, I, I got to say, I think they're headed in, in the right direction. So there you go, Bears fans. Take, take, it, take it or leave it at this point. But, like... I, I really like his prospects there. And, and we mentioned our, our, our quarterback rankings. Can you quickly, because I, for, for a little exercise here, can you quickly go through your one through five? What was it? It was Lawrence, Fields, and then? Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, Lance, Jones. Post-draft, does that change any based on your projections with how they landed, where they landing, the supported cast, the franchise they landed with, the city, all of that stuff? Does any of that, did any of that really move for you? I mean, I think I'm tempted to put Lance one. Okay. And a lot of people said pre-draft, you know, there are a lot of, you know, anonymous scouts and league sources and executive sources, whatever, you know, they would say things like the best quarterback in this draft class, whoever ends up with Kyle Shanahan. Like a lot of people (laughs) sort of said that. And I get it. I understand it because we know a, at a sort of, you know, ceilings versus floors, right? At a floor level, Lance in that offense just with the stuff that Kyle Shanahan's going to design for him and the weapons, you know, Ayu, Samuel, Kittle, Juszczyk out of the backfield. Yeah. It's going to be a very familiar offense for him. There are, very, there are a lot of similarities between NDSU's offense and Shanahan's system. He's going to be on familiar ground. You, you talk about the pre-snap stuff that he was asked to do at NDSU, the play calling, you know, the terminology. There's a lot of similarities between what he was doing in Fargo to what he'll be doing in San Francisco. So I think Lance is in a position to be extremely successful whenever he takes over. So there's a tendency to – there's a desire to move Lance up. There's a desire to move Fields up, I think, mm-hmm. even though he was two. You know, Lawrence, you have some questions. Of, like we've gone over. Wilson, yeah. we have some questions. And Jones – he was five. I don't know if I really move him off of that because I think, yes, the Patriots added two tight ends, which are going to be great. They added Aguilar, who was a nice little deep threat, yeah. better than people expected. Mm-hmm. But I'm not quite ready to go wildly in that corner just yet to bump him up. But yeah, Lance gets a big bump for sure. So you mentioned Mac Jones, and that's the only like first-round quarterback that we haven't really, really talked about. Uh, two questions here. Uh, first – have you you mentioned talking yourselves into him as the draft progressed and Fields came off the board at eleven to the Bears? A, have you successfully talked yourself into Mac Jones? B, will Mac Jones 
ever realize his uh, future, his, his goal. Uh, what, from what I hear from his people, he wants to be an international model. The, will he develop the physique for it? One of my fears with Jones is now he's going to discover an NFL strength and conditioning program and just become a gym freak. <laughs> I just just start like lifting metal and pushing plates around all day long and just suddenly turn themselves into a tight end. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I mean, he might be like a like a boxer brief model before all is said and done. So certainly, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for that. I mean, have I talked myself fully into him? Not quite yet. I'm still working through that process. You know, I've gone through the various stages of grief, <laughs> denial, acceptance is kind of where I'm at right now. Right. Um, what's been interesting, a lot of the discussion with Mac Jones pre-draft was, well, if it's not San Francisco, it's New England mm. because of the scheme fit. But smart people, Seth Galita, Ben, myself as well, have pointed out that there are two different ways to think about scheme fit. There's the sort of X's and O's, like one-to-one are, is the offense he ran in college, similar to the offense he's going to run in the pros. And there's the sort of traits, conceptually, does he fit with what they want? And I think, yeah, Jones conceptually fits with what the Patriots traditionally want in their offense, right? Accuracy, decision-making, pocket presence, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, he, he checks those boxes. But if you think, and I've gotten destroyed for this in New England, like you've seen some of the DMs, man. You've seen some of the tweets. Like we've been laughing about them over the past couple of days. He's not the one-to-one X's and O's fit in that system, right? Patriots offense, last year, Cam Newton for the first, they had their most RPO pass and attempts of any time in the past five years last year with 18. And Jones had 78 last year with Alabama. What he ran play action, Jones did. And he ran them. He had the most play action attempts, or top three at least. Seventy eight play action passing attempts last year, according to Sports Info Solutions. Shout out to boy Bryce Rossler. Mm-hmm. He was throwing downfield. Patriots offense when they run play action. What do you expect? That crossing route, right? Whether it's Edelman or Gronk or whomever. Like so, it's not this X's and O's like one to one fit. Conceptually, yes, he's a fit. The traits and all that stuff, but the scheme is going to be a bit different. It's going to need to be tweaked if you're going to be starting him early. Now, Josh McDaniels, similar to Urban Meyer, similar to some of the other coaches we've talked about, he's shown a willingness to tailor his offense to his quarterback and to his his players. You know, whether it's what he was doing with Brady near the end when there were 21 personnel play action, gap power play action off of that team, whether it was early in Brady's career where they were like spread, sometimes going five wide mm. with a running back, whether it was Jacoby Brissett on a short week running the flex ball, whether it was Cam last year, like he'll do that. So I have no qualms about the idea that Josh McDaniels will start running more RPOs for Mac Jones. But yeah, I mean, there is go- there are going to need to be some tweaks made to this offense to get Mac Jones comfortable in it. And let's not forget, Quincy Avery, coaches quarterbacks, knows more about quarterbacks than you and I ever will. Yeah. He said a comfortable quarterback is a confident quarterback is a good quarterback. You've got to get your guy on familiar ground. And that's what the Patriots will have to do with Mac Jones. That's what all these guys are going to have to do with these rookies. So final, well, two two questions here, but they all kind of tie into the same, and, and we'll dig into uh, some some later round guys a, as well. First question: at, at All these first round guys, you're you're a big Peaky Blinders fan. I'm a big Peaky Blinders fan. Uh, I'm I'm about to do another rewatch uh, of that soon for for the new season, which I think they're filming right now or started filming uh, pretty recently. So, which one would Thomas Shelby trust to run? London, big responsibility, huge responsibility. Yeah, I mean, look, they they were setting that up from early in season one. Danny Wisbang, 
I'm I'm actually I just finished my season one rewatch. Nice. I just started episode two, episode one of season two last night. I didn't finish it, but yeah. Um, I I almost want to make a case for Mac McCorkle Jones. <laughs> I mean, let, let's 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 think about this logically, right? He feel, like, he feels like a peaky type with the cigar and all that. Yeah. <laughs> here's the reason: anybody that stares Nick Saban in the face on the practice field. When Saban's getting upset because Jones is throwing touchdowns on his defense and he's like, well, tell him to stop me. Mm -hmm. Like that dude, Tommy Shelby's going to like that guy. He's going to like that brashness. He's going to like that a little bit of arrogance. You know, as a confident little guy, he's willing to go smack and talk it with a guy. Like he's going to stare, you know, what's his Alfie? He's going to stare Alfie Solomon in the face to say what? You don't like the fact that we're running the clubs now? Yeah. <laughs> Get better people. Like, he's going to do stuff like that. So, I, Mac Jones, Thomas Shelby, and Michael McCorkle Jones would make a fantastic one-two pair at the top of the Peaky Blinders. Okay, so let's go outside of round one, and we're going to go with who would that person's second-in-command be? Who would be, like, their version of, of Polly Gray in that scenario? Rounds two, three, four, five, six, seven, undrafted, wherever you, you want to go. Who are you putting in second command in London for for McCorkle? That's tough because you know, Mike, you've known me for a long time. You know, I'm usually the guy that like starts talking up the late round QBs. I was Mr. Brett Rippin QB four. Yeah. I was that guy that was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like these guys at the top, you know, Kyler Murray, whatever. Or, Brett Rippin, man. Our Cole McDonald like, love affair. Yeah. Oh man, our Cole McDonald love affair. I'm gonna make a case here. It's tough because it's again, it's not the it's this isn't the year to like really go all in on a late round dude. Yeah. But if I'm gonna make a case for that guy, it's Sam Ellinger. Mm. You know, the Texas Longhorn, <laughs> Texas is back, like all the stuff that Ellinger was gonna say, you know, would say, you know, to get Longhorns fans going. You know, he's got that sort of like leadership quality about him. He's got that toughness quality, a guy that, you know, wasn't the best quarterback prospect, but you could see like a package put together for him. Uh, ability as a runner, again, a tough kid. You know, he's going to be that, he's going to be like John. He's going to be like that muscle, the grinder, like the guy that, like, you're not letting him really make decisions. But when you walk into a stare down with Billy Kimber, like, you want him on your left shoulder, right? <laughs> or you want him popping out of nowhere, uh, like Freddie Thorne with the Lewis gun, just ready to just mow people down. Like, you want Sam Ellinger by your side in that scrap. So, yeah, Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger drafted round six overall, yeah. 218. 218. To the yeah. Indianapolis Colts, how heartbreaking would it be for, for the Carson Wentz book? If Ellinger is starting by week four, oh, what's the over-under on that? Oh, my God. I know. Crushed, I know. Oh, it would be crushing for, for, for poor Carson. <laughs> I, yeah. But, hey, I, I mean, if he doesn't if he doesn't turn around his, his wild play and whatnot and Frank Wright can't get, get through to him after a couple of years being away from him. I mean, it's not that far out of the out of the realm. It's of really not. And I mean, the big question is: did, did Carson get upset when they drafted Ellinger at round six? <laughs> because we know what Jalen Hurts did in the second round, right? It yeah, broke him. I think it's a lot different, so, but I think he's very sensitive to backup quarterbacks uh, for for obvious yeah. reasons. Nick for obvious, I mean, look, there's probably a statue of Ellinger around somewhere. Jeez. Maybe they're moving that <laughs> to Lucas Oil, put it next to the Peyton Manning Sheriff statue. <laughs> Mark. Man, I appreciate you coming on and, and answering these tough questions. This was a fun time, uh, as always. There's a reason that we have you as our uh, resident uh, QB expert. So it's because you can't find anybody else, right? One hundred percent. Well, let the let the gentle listeners know where they can find you and uh, find all of your works. You're all you're all over SB Nation, and you're all over the place uh, everywhere else as well. Yeah, buddy. Always great to be with you. I'll, I'll probably see you later at some point today. Yeah. Um, 
on Twitter at Mark Schofield, uh, Pat's Pulpit, uh, Big Blue View, uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire. I'm doing a summer series on the Flexbone Option offenses. Like, oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I did something earlier on how those teams use orbit and orbit return motion. Mm-hmm. I did something that went up today, uh, Friday on USA Today's Touchdown Wire on variations and tweaks to the basic triple double option game, how you see teams like Navy and obviously Coastal Carolina start running that out of the shotgun, out of the pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I plug in that both pieces so far. Ted Wynn's great piece on Coastal Carolina that he wrote over at the athletic. Yeah. You can sus- subscribe for a dollar a month now. Fantastic program <laughs> they got going over there, but they're running out of a, f- a pistol formation. You don't know who's going where up back, deep back, whatever quarterback. So I'm going to be doing some stuff on load versus lead, you know, passing game out of the flex zone because this is what we do in May and June. We explore the studio space. We make comps to Peaky Blinders. We rewatch Game of Thrones. I'm going to be doing that too because, you know, we've had some debates. Shout out Trevor Sycamore, Renly, Renly Stan, yep. Trevor Sycamore in the group <laughs> chat. So yeah, good stuff. But you can find me obviously on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. So I'm gonna we're gonna have to have you back uh before the season starts to kind of give us our primer, right? Who to look for at the quarterback position coming into this season that'll be coming out in the next uh draft. So Malik uh, Willis, baby, Spencer Rattler. This is gonna be a fun class. Do you because like what's interested what's interesting about this group is that this group we just had was very top heavy. Mm-hmm. This one, like Last year's summer scout and watch list was like you watch five, six guys. Right. Like that's all you really did. This year you're gonna have to watch like fifteen. Like Willis is fascinated, Rattler's fascinating. The the I'm doing something uh probably early next week on the Mississippi kid, Matt Coral. He's interested, and obviously Lane Kiffin's doing some stuff for him. You know, obviously Rattler is a ton of fun. Um Kilden Slovis, I know some people like him. Like it's it's a bigger group. Like you might not see like quarterbacks go one, two, three, at least sitting here right now. Um, but you might see like a bunch of guys in the first couple of rounds because I, I just think it's a deeper group to look at. Let's give them a preview of that chat real quick. I just, I just want your thoughts on one guy. The re- the reason being is because like, okay, again, as an as an Eagles fan, full disclosure, my confidence in Jalen Hurts is not at the highest. I, I, I we'll, we'll see the steps that he makes this year. I have no clue whatsoever about his future. But if he doesn't work out, the Eagles are obviously looking for a quarterback and they're obviously picking high. And the one name that I've seen so far that really intrigued me was the Liberty quarterback. Yeah, Malik Willis. Malik yeah. Willis. Tell, tell me about him. Very athletic. Arm arrogance, Jordan Reed's got that term, which I absolutely love. And, you know, Jordan knows the position extremely well, played it, coached it, recruited it. He's got that arm arrogance where it's like there's no throw he's afraid to make, mm. which you got to have at this position. It's a reason why Zach Wilson went too, right? Because Zach Wilson had that as well. Um, I, I There are some questions about his arm strength. Some people say, look, it's, he's got a great arm. Others think not so much. There are some questions about, you know, how much he's asked to do in that offense because mm-hmm. they scheme some stuff open for him. It's the same thing with the Coastal Carolina kid. They scheme some stuff open for him so he doesn't have to do a ton from a mental and read and progression standpoint. I want to see this year if they ask him to do more, if he's asked to do more in that offense and make some, you know, deeper progression reads and things like that. But the athleticism is there. I mean, the talent is there. When when Feldman's mentioned you as one of the athletic freaks, there's a reason. Yeah. You got recruited by Alabama. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Now he also lost his gig to Bo Nix. So that's something to think <laughs> about too. But the talent is certainly there. Can he make a sort of – I guess you can't even call it a Zach Wilson rise because people are talking about it. It's more like the, the – last year, 
you know, this time last year, people were already saying Trey Lance, right? Mel Kuyper Jr., the second the draft ended, Trey Lance, top five quarterback. Like, you got to watch this kid. Everybody talked about Trey Lance last summer. I think it'd be more like a Trey Lance kind of rise where, like, there was buzz, but you want to see him put it together. And he could certainly do that. I don't think it's a guarantee. But, yeah, watch Liberty this summer and into the fall because this kid is extremely talented. Yeah, he at least sounds very, very fun. So I'm going to check out some of those games. So, Mark. And we like fun. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And we have fun on here. That's a nice little sampler for, for what you have uh, ahead of you as as we cover the NFL from every single freaking angle year-round here on the SB Nation NFL show. That's going to do it for us here today. If you, if you liked what we put together, if you enjoyed the conversation, do us a favor. Take two minutes. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave five stars. Leave a written review. If you have a question in the review, one of our hosts will read it on the air. We'll discuss your take, your comment, your concern, whatever the case may be, whether it's ranch dressing versus blue cheese, doesn't matter. We will discuss literally anything. We will read anything on the teleprompter here at the SB Nation NFL show. We thank you for joining us today here for another draft special. Go dominate and have yourselves a day. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.